You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's up, everyone? Happy Monday. Happy Labor Day. Welcome to the Michigan Wild Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. The Michigan Wild Podcast is brought to you by Lake State Land Company. If you're looking for your little slice of heaven in the outdoors, uh, whether hunting, lakefront, rural, agricultural property, whatever the case may be, check out the folks over at Lake State Land Company. Uh, The team over there is a group of trusted uh, agents that have spent their life in the outdoors here in Michigan and can help make the process of buying or selling a piece of land uh, very easy and seamless. So head on over to lakestatelandco.com and give them and check them out. All right, today, episode number two, we have Vince Battiata and Audrey Hogue, better known as Chasing Public. Um, so I have, uh, full disclosure, I have spoke with both Vince and Audrey um, numerous times over the past few years, I suppose, uh, as the average conservationist has kind of been, um, you know, growing and, and, you know, just interacting with other like-minded people has been, um, you know, an absolute treat uh, when it comes to you know, having a brand or building a podcast and all that good stuff. And um, Vince and Audrey are no exception. Uh, just absolutely great people. Uh, when we first um, connected, I suppose, uh, they were both living in Tennessee. Um, but then, you know, the more you get to talk to someone, you get to find out that they're both originally from Michigan, recently um, made the move back to Michigan, um, which is great. So when it came time to start the podcast, I mean, they were, um, you know, pretty high on the list in terms of wanting to get them on. And I know how passionate they are about, you know, whitetail hunting, bow hunting, whitetail specifically. Um, so today we get to talk, uh, scouting, uh, to some degree, um, you know, the approach that they're using, how much they're actually e-scouting versus boots on the ground, you know, what maybe they're looking for during the springtime, um, as opposed to the summer and they get closer to the season and, you know, really the way that Vince and Audrey approach things and what they're doing to, you know, really hope, what they're doing, let me start over what they're doing. Um, Vince talks about what him and Audrey are doing in order to help separate themselves, uh, and set them up for success under any circumstance. So if, you know, especially hunting public, if you go in and, and, you know, maybe spot a or B or C are all taken up by other hunters or whatever the case is, um, you know, the, the strategy that they have is to always have kind of a, a backup to a backup plan. Uh, and with that approach, um, you know, you're never going to be kind of left holding the bag or, or left empty handed in terms of where you want to go sit and where you want to hunt. So 
not only that, we get to share some cool stories, uh, both good and bad, good and bad from previous seasons. Uh, so that's always fun. And then I think probably my favorite part of the conversation actually was when Vince um, kind of talks about what chasing public means. Um, I think a lot of you are going to be surprised that the there's a very deep rooted uh, meaning behind the name. It's more than just, um, you know, kind of chasing, you know, deer uh, on public land. I think you guys, uh, I'm not going to say anything more because um, Vince does a really good job of, of explaining it. And uh, I think it certainly means a lot more coming from him. So episode two, Chasing Public with Vince and Audrey. Enjoy everyone. All right, Vince and Audrey, two of my favorite follows on Instagram and uh, just people to kind of interact with. Welcome to the podcast. How are you guys? Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, no, this is this is pumped. Uh, this is exciting. Um, you know, when I kind of was first approached with the idea of the podcast, you know, kind of Michigan specific, I started, you know, jotting down people that I've just encountered or, or had some type of interaction with, uh, especially through like social media over the past you know, a couple of years and you guys were like, shoot, second on the list here, I think. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So especially First like point. now that you guys uh, are back in Michigan and we'll, we'll get into that more as the, uh, as the episode goes on. But yeah, once, uh, once I did, I was like, Oh, like I got to reach out to Vince and Audrey. Like I got to get them on the podcast and, and talk about what we're going to talk about, like scouting and whatnot today. But I just think it's, uh, it's super cool. The, your story, uh, the dynamic that the two of you have. So we want to talk about that. Uh, again, spring scouting, what you guys got planned for the season. And uh, yeah, we'll just see where this thing goes. Yeah, sounds good sounds to me, man. Good. All right. So first, let's give the listeners a bit of a ba- uh, a bit of background about the two of you. So Audrey, why don't you go ahead and go first and just uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. All right. Audrey Hogue, uh, <laughs> born in Middleville. Um, I have only been hunting for, this will be my fourth season and strictly bow. I don't know anything about guns. I just fell in love with archery and thought I'd take it by storm. So it's the only Um, way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. So yeah. Uh, Vince Badiata, uh, me and Audrey, we actually, we grew up together. I went to school with her brothers and sisters here in middle of Michigan and, uh, yeah, grew up hunting as a kid. I probably started hunting when I was 12, hunted all the way up until I was 19, and then shipped off to the Navy for a handful of years. And then after that, I um, started to kind of grow up and work kind of took over. So took kind of a, a huge like hunting hiatus for a while and then picked it back up as an adult and been bow hunting for now, like hunting seriously probably for five or six years now all right yeah it's uh it's funny because vince we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording but you know growing up in it and kind of taking it for granted and just wishing in hindsight that we would have paid more attention we would have really understood kind of the nuance and and all that that goes into it really a lot of the the upfront work right the scouting shooting your bow all that good stuff and just really understanding what you were getting yourself into and, but much like you, like once I got into college, like it was a gosh, probably, I mean, college was an easy four year, five year hiatus. Um, I just, I didn't have, I was playing sports in college, so I didn't have any time at all. Right. Yeah. Like I, there was just nothing else I could do. And then even the first couple of years, uh, out of college, when I kind of like got into the workforce, um, it just wasn't a huge priority, uh, for me at the time. And then, like you said, you get a little bit older and you you reconnect you find that passion and that's what i i love to hear when people find it later in life like like you guys are a perfect example because vince you grew up with it you stopped doing it for a bit you got back into it audrey you you know got into it you know as an adult and really kind of cannonballed in what has been your experience with it so far uh it's been great. I do feel like the hunting like community has been very, very helpful. Um, I'm sure there's some negatives that happen with the community, as any community would happen. But sure. um, everyone's been really helpful. I ask a ton of questions. I get lots of feedback, sometimes too much, but um, it's still great. I, yeah, I love it. I can't 
I learn too much, which probably sounds weird, but like I listen to a lot of podcasts. I find myself kind of overwhelming myself with so much information yeah. that like I really just need some more experience. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you yeah you get that information that you're not quite ready for, and it doesn't quite make sense at the time. But then you know a month down the road, or so, you, some scenario will happen in the field or in the stand, right? And all of a sudden you're like, ooh, yes. Yeah. You yeah, start thinking back to that. It's just like there's like there's just so much like with social media and stuff now. There's so much like outdoor content that you can yeah. take in that's really quality and it's great and it'll teach you everything you know, with the exception of getting boots on ground and you trying it yourself. Yeah. But at the same time, when you're still, you know, I still consider myself very green in a lot of areas with that stuff. And sometimes it's hard to distinguish, like, is this good information? Like, yeah. you know, oh, should yeah. I even be taking this in? Is this like, I should, should I even be listening to this guy? Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You where's know, this guy no street cred at, right? Yeah. There's yeah. no, there's, yeah, it's just a lot of information out there now. So I totally understand what, what she's, what she's saying. Yeah. And I've got to imagine that, and I've talked about this with some guests on my other podcast, but, but being a female in a predominantly male sport or hobby industry, whatever you want to call it can be tough, right? Especially coming in as an adult and you know, you don't know what you don't know kind of thing, especially when you're first right. getting started. Mm-hmm. How has that transition been? Have you, you know, it, I would guess you've been pretty fortunate to, to have Vince and you guys can just talk to each other about it and stuff like that. But like you said, you, you ask a lot of questions, which I think is, is, is super important. Um, but what is kind of that, that experience been like for you, Audrey? As far as like asking and receiving or? Yeah. Or just, you know, as, as a female getting into hunting at a later state and, you know, just, has there been like, I guess, like any barriers to entry for you that, that have been a little bit difficult to overcome? Um, not so, no, not so much like getting right on into it. It's actually been very easy. I would say I was very horrified to like go into a bow shop. Like I did not want to go by myself. And I do feel like, like, cause I worked at a bow shop in Tennessee that it was like when a girl came in, I definitely like cater to them to make them feel comfortable because it's very intimidating. Yeah. But I don't know if it's like intimidating for a guy to walk into a bow shop and it's like uh, kind of shooting the crap and like, cool. I don't know. It yeah, can be right. Like it can be because I so. yeah, I mean, I, I love to bow hunt. I know what I'm doing when I'm bow hunting, but I'm not like a, a bow junkie in terms sure. of like right. knowing how to do you know, like I could do some little, uh, kind of cosmetic repairs if I need to, but you know, I'm not going to take my bow apart, restring it myself. Like I, I don't have the comfort yeah. level to do those things. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, it, it, I know I've certainly been intimidated walking into a bow shop before. Cause yeah, you don't, you don't want to feel stupid, right? Like no one wants to, to feel sure. like that walking in. Yeah. yeah. But it does like, I don't know. It's almost to me, it felt like the same as like walking into a dealership and you didn't want to get like swarmed by a bunch of people, which I mean, it, it really does happen to anybody. I yeah. don't know. Just, but it, once you get past that and you, I happened to ask a girlfriend like, Hey, you hunt, right? And then she was like, yeah. And I said, gun or bow. And she said both. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I really want to shoot a bow. And then she just, had me come over to her uncle's house. I shot her bow, which was not fitted for me, but I just did it. And it was like, I fell in love that instant. Yeah. So No, that's great. Vince, one of the things you had mentioned was, you know, with social media, you know, podcasts galore out there that there's a ton of information, right. And trying to decipher through, um, you know, what's good, what's bad, what should you be listening to all that good stuff? Yeah. Now with that, you guys have kind of started your own brand community following chasing public, which is awesome. Tell me about that and how that kind of all came about. Yeah, that's, uh, that's so funny. I, I, that's, I like that question. Uh, it's something that is just so super slow, like in the works. I just, I'm just having fun with it. Like, it's not like, Hey, I'm, I decided like, I'm making this name. 
I'm going to do this, 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 and this. It was just something that I just wanted to like, um, like originally it all transpired from like just giving myself a goal. Yeah. Like I really wanted to kind of like fulfill what my, um, like what my stepdad like was trying to do in his like hunting years, you know, rest of soul is no longer with us, but you know, he was a Michigan public land slayer. Like in my eyes, like, the guy was a killer. Now, did he kill giant deer? No, he didn't. But did he kill, you know, great Michigan deer every year? Yes. Filled every tag every single year. And that's all we had in our freezer, you know, growing up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I can always remember hearing him talk that, like, he always wanted to, you know, kill a giant or, or whatever. But the guy was 6'3" you know, 280 pounds, like you're not quiet in the woods, you know? So like his, you know, his skills were, were limited, but he was an off, he was an awesome hunter, but you know, going back to learning how to, you know, hunt as a kid, you know, I wouldn't, I wasn't like putting the stock into it. Right. I wasn't obsessed with it like I am now. So I take that a little bit for granted. Whereas now I'm like, okay, I want to put enough effort into it to hone my craft and to get to a point that, he never got to yeah and kind of like vicariously like live that dream a little bit oh that's right? awesome that's and so cool so uh like so over the last five years i've really tried to you know give myself goals like on public land to try to you know achieve ach- you know achieve those small goals or aspirations to to fulfill that so like for an example one of my goals every year is you know i I want to continue to get better on the the quality animal I shoot. So if it's, if it doesn't match what it was last year, it's not on the list. If yeah. it matches or, or it's greater then okay, then approved, let's have a run. Right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have a run. Let, let's give it a goal. And, but that's kind of where like some of the other stuff kind of plays in the fact where me and Audrey being in relationship, you know, we hunt together 99% of the time, but we are on two separate levels when it comes to like our individual hunting goals. Right. And, you know, we try to help each other as much as we can, but you know, we have to support and you know, what's best for like this situation. Right. So, um, yeah, that's kind of like how like the chasing public thing, like kind of like started and, you know, now as we go, I, I don't know if you've seen, but, you know, we've put out a few videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. just simple stuff. I self-film it. You know, we, uh, I do most of the editing. Audrey helps, and we kind of do that stuff together and just slowly, you know, building. It's it's just enjoyable. I mean, yeah. that's really all, all, all it is. I don't know if it'll ever be, you know, I would like to probably do a podcast at some point. It's just not in, like, <laughs> my time is just so constrained with everything that we oh, have yeah. going on in our personal lives. It has to fit the bill. Like I'm just, I'm all about that. If it fits it great, then like we'll do it. Yeah. You don't want to half ass it. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's not, that's not what we're about at all. Yeah. No, I can tell. I can tell. And I dig <laughs> that. So, I mean, so I always just assumed it. And again, this is just the outside looking in when sure. I saw chasing public, I was like, Oh, like just chasing deer on public land. Like that's just kind of what I put together. And I think while that's part of it, like the, the much deeper rooted kind of meaning behind it and where the idea came from to me just makes it that much cooler. Like trying to, like you said, kind of live vicariously through your stepdad um, and get to a point that he always was trying to get to. Um, like it's all, I mean, you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong here, but I see chasing public as more like you're constantly chasing the next thing, like to get better, not just chasing deer, right? You're just, you're constantly oh, yeah. chasing those those goals and those aspirations that you just talked about, and it you know it, I, I just I just think it's super dope, right? Like the whole the whole meaning behind it is awesome. Appreciate that. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. And honestly, like I probably couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> that probably meets more of like really what it is. Like yeah. I'm sure you've seen like Audrey does triathlons. I started to get into doing races, and now I'm doing duathlons. Like just trying to kill whatever whatever we're doing like it's just like like you said like trying to chase that next 
whatever it is like if that means your goal is to be able to do 100 push-ups by the you know in consecutively by the end of october then like you better do it you get on it yeah there is no like optimism or pessimism it's you're just gonna do it like you're going to do it you just have to do it yeah and that's such a great mindset to have i mean whether you're bow hunting, whether you're, yeah, it's your physical fitness, it's yeah. getting into new sports, like you just said, do, you know, doing duathlons or triathlons for you, Audrey. I mean, I think people learn a lot about themselves when they step outside of their comfort zone, right? That's and, true. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And I've read a ton of books and listened to a bunch of podcasts of people that kind of talk about that stuff. And like the shit moves you, right? Like when you hear yeah. people's stories yes. about it's it's so inspiring, man. And like the older I get, the more. I want to try to like surround myself with like that energy, right? Those people who are just constantly trying to get better. They're not negative. They're always have a positive outlook. Like it's so hard, Marcus. It is. It's so hard. Is that what you're saying? Yes. It's very hard. And you know, because there are, there's a lot of positive people out there Yeah. like not to discredit anybody, but there's not that many that like hold it every day, day to day, every month, every year. They just keep holding it, right? Yeah. Like, it's really hard to stay that way all the time. Yeah. And uh, I actually recorded uh, a podcast earlier today, and we got to talking about, there was a bunch of volunteers working on this this Habitat project up in Vancouver, up in British Columbia there. And one of the things that the the film producer um, was talking about was how all these different people, all these volunteers came together. And one of the things that he noticed was, like, everyone was seemed to be, like, looking for the good in other people instead of the negative. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's amazing how often in life people don't do that. Right. They just want to see how, you know, you're different from me or I'm different sure. from you. And then focus on those things instead of being like, Oh, Vince, you like to hunt. Awesome, dude. Like I love to hunt too. Like, and you, and you can start chopping it up with that. Yeah. And then you build right. that relationship around there. I mean, everyone's going to have differences or different opinions, yeah. right? Like that's, that's the beauty of, of life, but yeah. focus on the positive, not the negative. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I love, I love hearing that. Cause it's, it's one of those things that like, I think about it, I think about it all the time, especially like in the hunting community, like there's a ton of, and I'm sure you've seen it like a ton of like hunt shaming. Oh yeah. Right. Like, Oh, I can't believe you shot that deer or what, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. But like, just like you said, like, Oh, Hey, Mark, you like to hunt? Like it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. You're into the same stuff. Like that's positive enough to like build it. I've yeah. met so many people in, honestly, on Instagram, just like, I, you know, you look at someone's stuff and it's like, I just message them. And I've grown so many friendships out of that, that like we talk weekly and it's awesome. So yeah. I do appreciate like open book type thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, who is it? Uh, oh, the guys at OKS Hunter do a great job of trying yeah. to really put that at the forefront. Yeah. So yeah, shout out OKS Hunter for, <laughs> not uh not buck shaming and, and letting everyone just enjoy yeah. hunting because that's Absolutely. that's ultimately what we're out there for right like just just enjoy nature enjoy the outdoors and just have fun with it yes. yeah for sure absolutely man yeah all right so one of the things that i mentioned earlier that i want to talk about um these episodes i don't have like any specific order yet because we're doing a lot of recording the podcast will launch in september um we're a few weeks away from that yet but spring scouting, summer scouting, all that good stuff. Um, anyone who follows you guys on Instagram sees you guys in your like weekly or by or excuse me nightly uh, scouting adventures that you guys are taking. <laughs> so let's kind of go big picture here. Like, what is the your process look like for trying to scout some new land or just find some new land in general that you know you say, hey, this looks this looks like some good terrain. Let's, you know, whether you're e-scouting it, getting boots on the ground, like what does that entire kind of origin, uh, initial process look like? Um, yeah. So, and I'm, yeah, obviously we want to focus on, on Michigan. So, um, <laughs> for the majority, we could talk about but, Tennessee uh, a little bit too, cause obviously that's where you guys were, were, were sure. up until, you know, recently. So no, it's all right. Okay. Yeah. So I'll kind of break it into two, two parts here. So, um, there's definitely a distinction right between the south and where we're at here in the north midwest however you want to right. look at right so for you know for tennessee it was um 
just trying to think back here in the beginning of kind of how I got started just being in a new area. In Tennessee, it was, you know, I'm in the bow shop. I'm, I'm you know, I'm getting set up. I'm, I'm like trying to make friends as much as I can, like with just people that are in there. I'm in there all the time and you get to talking and then you find out like, hey, you know, there's these public areas kind of deal. And, and I would just, I would start to go to them and, you know, really just, just dig my heels in like, and just try to like really pick a piece apart. So, you know, if I found a hundred acre section, I was probably go and visit that section 20 times before I would decide to like, Hey, yep, I'm gonna, this is going to be on my list for this year or no, I'm going to write it off. Okay. And I would spend time. Yeah, it it is a lot of time and and it takes a lot of time. Like, and it's not just like, yep, I get, I'll do 40 of these spots and like, I'm good. I have enough time to do all that. Like it takes a couple years. Like it's not, it's not something super quick. Um, and I would pick that, I would pick that parcel apart from front to back, side to side, as much as I could to try to cover every inch of it I can to give me all the information I could to try to decide, is this something I'm willing to commit to? So that's, you know, I would, I would do things like turn my tracker on, right. On my, at the time was, was Onyx. Um, um, and now I'm using Spartan Forge, so I would do that, but you can, turn your tracker on, you know, I'd run it back and forth the whole entire property. Right. And just, I mean, super slow scouting, like slower than a regular walk, like just slow and just try to find everything. Right. Um, and then once I got to a point where, Hey, I have enough sign here that I want to, I think I have enough stock or I want to put enough stock in this, in this piece. Then like, then I really start to put all my information on it, save it, all right, I have this spot, like this is what I know about this area. And now I'm going to the next one and then just do the same, same process on it. Now for then that, that was for Tennessee. Now I've, I've changed that a lot to where in Michigan, I know that between Michigan and Pennsylvania, there's more hunters per square mile than anywhere. 90% of the States. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So, so I had to like completely change my mindset and how I was bow hunting in Tennessee is not how it's going to work here in Michigan. Right. Uh, like I could totally go to a public place and never see a person yeah. in Tennessee. Oh, okay. Right? I've never bow hunted as an adult here in Michigan. I know that I'm not going to get to a piece or it's going to be rare for me not to see somebody yeah. right. maybe really early if it's really hot. Cause people are, are lazy. Yeah. Oh maybe. yeah. But I've had to tailor it to, um, you know, hunting the people, right? So it's certainly another Mich- added element, right? Yeah. Yep. I've changed it to where okay, here's this piece. Like, where are people going to be? I know there's deer here. It's Michigan. There's a there's tons of deer here. Yeah. So I'm not worried about that part. But where are the people going to be? I don't want to be where people are going to be. So I decided that I was going to try to find as many um, public pieces from e-scouting that look like areas I want to get involved in and try to just get as much time on the ground as possible and have as many places to go so that I have a backup plan A through Z. So no matter (laughs) what happens, I can pick up and I can go to the next one. Something happened that I can pick up, I can go to the next one. I never have a situation where I don't have an option. I always have an option. Yeah. How big so, of an area are you talking here? Like, like from, let's just say from your, your front door, right? Are you talking hour drive, half hour drive? How, how big is your kind um, of area that you're. So I have, we have, uh, we have a couple places that are within, you know, within a 10 minute drive. And then we have some other places that, you know, I can drive an hour, but these, a lot of these parcels are, they're massive. Huge. Yeah. There's, it would take years and years and years and years to cover them all okay. right so i kind of built myself a general radius of some areas i you know i kind of know some of the area just from like growing up i just didn't know that that was like state land yeah right so but i know the area i know how to get around so i've kind of like built this radius so where 
I can kind of just focus on this very specific section and to all these different parcels. And they probably range anywhere between, you know, a hundred acres to probably six, 700 acres. Okay. So you got some room. They're big. Yeah. Yeah, They're big. There's a lot of room. Um, and there's no way that everyone out there is, is covering it all. There's a lot of swamps, a lot of marshland, um, which is also new. I didn't have a lot of, a lot of that in Tennessee. So that's a, that's a whole different play, um, here as well. Um, so here it's just a matter of how many spots I in Intel can I get like ready in order for me to be able to go from spot, 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 and never have, uh, like any situation where I, I run out and I'm like, ah, oh, crap, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Back to the truck. Right? So like, I can always just be out there. Like it's not, you know, I don't know. It's so early, you know, because this is the first year's back, you know, we don't know what type of quality deer are there. We have an idea of some areas, but not all these areas right. could, it could be duds. Yeah. Right? It could be duds. Or it's packed with people, you know? So, but you learn that over, you know, a few years span after, I would say probably, you know, a good, a good three, three, four years, you kind of have a, if you focus on the same areas, you have, you have a really good idea of what's going on. Yeah. And another thing to kind of take into account or that I've learned with Michigan too, is, you know, you could have a few sits early in the year, right. And you don't see, you know, hardly any sign of other hunters, right. Then yeah. Halloween rolls around and, you know, yep. you think, yep. and then all of a sudden everyone, like everyone's just kind of biding their time or maybe they hunt once or twice in early and mid October, right? They're just, yeah. they're waiting for things to line up. They're waiting for that pre-rut, whatever the case is. And then all of a sudden now plan a, it's like, well, this guy, I haven't seen him all year and now he's in here or he's in the area. And that's one thing I learned that you've got to be, you've got to be agile. You got to be mobile. Yeah. And, and taking that, I like that approach that you have with having, you know, plan A, B, C all the way on down the line, because you're never going to be unprepared, right. For the situation. Right. Right. Now, does that mean that I, you know, I'm able to target a a giant buck or something like that and spend the time in chasing him? No, probably not because I've focused all my time and just having more options. Right. Yeah. I think if I, if I did that, then it would put us in a box. Yeah. Right. We want to have, and we want to have fun. And as, as I get, you know, older, as we, you know, we grow in our skills, like, you know, still keeping that surprise factor, you know, keeping that inner kid with you when you're, you know, hunting is like, it's just awesome. Right. (laughs) Like there is, there would, there would be nothing more, you know, satisfying than going to a place that you scouted. You didn't really know it was there. It looks good. It feels good. And here comes this awesome deer around yeah. the corner, right? And you had no idea they were there. And it was just this magical day. Yeah, like, there's not crazy. a better feeling than that. Yeah, like everything that you thought, yeah. right? It, it all kind of came to fruition, right? Sure. Like, all the pieces fit and all the experience that you had up to that point that told you, yes, there's, they're either there, I know there's deer here. I don't know the, the caliber of deer or the class sure. of deer. And then, you know, a nice Michigan buck walks out and, you know, that's the, the funny thing about Michigan too, is yeah, we have a ton of deer and, um, I think people kind of poo poo Michigan, right? Because of the amount of hunters and things like that, but giant bucks hit the ground in Michigan every single year, right? Every Every year. And there's giant bucks everywhere. Yeah. 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 And it's just, you know, you've got to, you got to put in the work or you've got to be fortunate enough to have the right, you know, circumstances around you or, or actually yeah. on your land, whatever the case is. And, you know, to those that do great, but you know, not everyone has that. And I think one of the things that you, you kind of mentioned there that I really like is the surprise factor, the, the still getting excited. Like if you put in the work, like it doesn't have to be some four and a half year old deer, sure. you know, that's that you've been chasing all year, like just, just connecting and putting all the pieces together and, and killing a nice Michigan buck. Like that's great, man. Like I, yeah, I absolutely awesome. love to see when, especially when people are excited about it, right? Like who cares what right. size it is, right? Like yeah. right. if you enjoyed everything, like that's, that's really all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. And I like what you said, you know, put, you know, putting the work in, like as I keep going along, like down through the years, like 
I enjoy scouting more and more and more just as much as I enjoy, you know, hunting like shed season is probably one of my most favorite times of year is when the season is actually over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, putting that work in and scouting, you know, Halloween is my favorite time too. However, you know, if I can beat the rush before that time comes in oh yeah, and, and have, have something accomplished before then, then like, everything we did paid off. Yeah. And then you can be right. a bit more choosy too, right? With, with what right. type, especially with, you know, Michigan being a, a two buck state, right. you have some, you have some flexibility there, right? With, right. um, with what you want to target, especially with that second one. And, you know, depending on where you're at, you have APRs and, and all that good stuff. Um, you talked about shed season. Now the, the pieces that you guys are shed hunting on in, you know, in the spring, are those the same places that you're scouting now in the summertime or are you different ranges? And if they are the same, what types of differences have you seen from, from spring to summer? Um, we definitely have like found more areas as like the year has gone, like as summer has kind of, that's kind of coming to an end really. Yeah. So, um, yeah, early season, we didn't find one shed, and yeah. it was like, oh my gosh, the sign that we saw was like, there should be a monster shed in here, but yeah. we never found one. Yeah, I don't, yeah, shed season was pretty hard, because like I said, we, we moved here in December, and it was like, it was a very weird, like, in our personalized time, like, it was just like, uh, I was at a job for 10 years, no longer there moved from a state I've been in coming back to, you know, kind of like home ground. But I've also moved out of the state of Michigan at 19 and I'm 34 now. So, you know, I spent the majority of my time, you know, away from home. Yeah. Especially your adult so like life. Coming back, it's like, it's all brand new. It's all foreign. Like I, a lot of the, you know, street signs I should know, like, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> so it was like, it was super weird, very difficult. Um, so, you know, we, we, we just, we started on one piece, shed on it really hard. It looked like there should be some in there. Didn't find anything. And then we just kept, we kept moving. Um, but yeah, like she said, you know, as the, as the year progressed and as the summer came up, we'd learn about new pieces or, Hey, let's go check this one. And then, you know, the things start growing up and then it's kind of like, all right, well now it's turkey season. Yeah. Yeah. Like we move on. Yeah. And you know, just the other night, like, uh, you know, we were scouting for deer at a place we we started to see some deer and stepped on a little baby little three point shed. Finally found them, <laughs> right? Like it just happened. Yeah. Like it, you know. So, um, but in Tennessee, like places I I would consistently hunt, and you know, I knew yeah, I knew where the bedding areas were. I knew where they they would be living. I would find sheds in there all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we had a similar experience this year. So. I'm fortunate that my in-laws have some, some, some private land uh, nice. that I'm able to hunt. Yeah. Nice. And two seasons ago, um, we had some, some great food plots that we had put in and really held the deer at least close to the property, um, throughout the winter. We went in there in the springtime. And of course, like I was supposed to meet, uh, my brother-in-law who him and I do, all of our hunting pretty much on that that piece we do all the work out there and whatnot and he went up a day before me um to do some shed hunting because i couldn't get up to the following day and in like our our best food plot i think it had like brassicas and, and maybe a few other things in it but i think he found something like 15 or 16 sheds a lot of young deer right a lot of year and a half two and a half year old deer sure. but i mean just absolutely like a tailgate full of sheds that's awesome yeah <laughs> and then we go out this past spring, uh, a few months ago, and we had some food plots, uh, as well. We didn't have that same one. Um, and we found one shed, uh, like a two and a half year old little, uh, four point side. And in an area that is definitely, there was definitely a lot of deer sign in that area, kind of in this travel corridor, but we couldn't believe that you know, these two really nice food plots that had deer in them all year long, not one single shed in there, not anything. It just, it makes me scratch my head. Like how the hell is this even possible? It's just how it, how it, how it goes. You know, there was a, there was a, a food plot this year that was, 
that was on, it was on public land had monster tracks in it they were awesome like <laughs> amazing deer sign like it was just like okay wow like this is a pretty good this seems like a pretty good area and every so often i would come back and like scour the field check it out nothing i mean we probably hit it over the Too entire spring <laughs> like through like this probably the the beginning of the spring all the way until after turkey season we checked this spot probably more than 10 times never found, <laughs> never found one so... and i thought i thought like i would tell Audrey, like there's no way that we're not gonna find like if they're here we just gotta keep looking yeah we just gotta keep looking never found one huh. but there is amazing sign there i was there not too long ago monster tracks are there like it's a great area you just gotta gotta put the time in and figure it out you know yeah so how much are you e-scouting prior to actually getting boots on the ground are you doing like a like a quick search or you know a quick view of the area to you know kind of look at terrain features a lot of the the things that you look for um, when trying to find deer area or are you just kind of saying okay there's a there's a big you know piece of public right here let's go check it out and and you know get eyes on it before we spend Uh, too much time e-scouting it yeah it just depends on like what like what the goal is like if like right now our goal is to like volume and numbers right so at that point then it's like okay i just want to find big areas that i know i can i i I won't be lazy and i'll put in the work to i'll walk the mile and a half to get back to wherever i need to go where the masses they won't walk that far or maybe only a couple people will so i don't have to deal with as many issues or anything like that so that's kind of like our goal right now but um if i if i'm like oh once we get to a point where it's going to be okay, I feel like we have enough, you know, areas which we're coming up on this 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 point. I'll probably relook at these areas, and probably the main the main thing I'll look for is uh, singular access. Okay. And what what I that's what I refer to it as, and that's basically um, it's a it would be a piece of public that you can only physically access that piece of ground from one area now if there's a catch 22 with that right that means you can only access it from that one area so when your wind is you know doing some funny things or maybe it's not conducive to you know what you're looking for there that's it's going to limit you however if that stuff lines up when you're there nobody else can everybody has to go to that spot to be able to get in there Right. right And maybe the backside is surrounded by all all private. Now maybe those guys have access, but at least you know you're you're like you're starting to increase your odds from just like less people penetration, right? right. So yeah. Maybe oh, yeah. singular access, like it's blocked by maybe a, you know two big giant rivers, which you can only get in one way, and it's really thick and nasty for like a half a mile, and nobody ever wants to like get through it, so it's just overlooked yeah right so but hopefully. We'll, yeah hopefully yeah, hopefully but yeah but you'll get through it you'll find it and you know you're you're in the gold right so it just depends and like honestly like i'll put a, a little bit of time into e-scouting but there's nothing like putting the boots on the ground like no matter what you look at on the map nine times out of 10, it doesn't always look like that when you're there, the right? map You is, don't know what's there. It's very nice for like reference for sure. Especially if you're wanting to make sure that you're on public versus yeah. on freaking land. But like, I think we overall look at it as like a reference and then we just get right to that spot and really figure it out. Yeah. I'd imagine that after you get those boots on the ground, that that e-scouting or whatever, you know, the e-scouting tool that you're using, in this case, you mentioned Spartan Forge, that it, like you said, it's a reference. It's like, okay, you probably have a spot marked or an area marked, you know, once you get in there, you get the boots on the ground, you say, okay, this is the area we want to be in. Now, when you come back a second time, you know exactly where you need to go, right? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, like, I would say probably, I would say nine times out of 10, I'll mark like the access location to to that specific area. I'll get there, um, it'll be there, and I'll be able to access it. And then after I've scouted it, you know, 20, 20 times or whatever, 
I found, you know, that much better of an access area to it, or maybe that's the only one. But nine times out of 10, whatever pins I've laid from e-scouting all goes away and it's all completely remapped. It's all way different because it's just, you know, it's just so much different when you're actually in the ground, like, and you're actually there. Something that looks like maybe, you know, it's a, you know, a huge oxbow or something like that. And it's just like flat. Yeah. It's just, it's not what you think it is, or it's like completely gone. You're like, okay, well that completely, completely defeats the purpose. So move on. Yeah. So I want to shift gears a little bit here. Sure. As you mentioned that the two of you, you mentioned it earlier, the two of you do, you know, like 99% of your hunting together. Has there, have there been any difficulties with that? Like I know sometimes like when I'm getting set up, like I make a ton of noise by myself. I'm, I can be (laughs) clumsy and cumbersome as shit sometimes when I'm out there. Right. But now you've got two of you. Right. And no matter how quiet you think you are, you're always, you know, you're always going to make some, some type of noise. So what have been some of the, uh, the challenges or obstacles with two of you trying to get set up? Oh, you can go first. So I will say that like, however it is that we pack our packs or set up our stuff, we do it the same. If it's not exactly the same, it's as close to the same. So that's been really nice because you like showed me the way that you do it. I've never used climbing sticks until last year. I use his climber. So I do it the same exact way he does. And we get set at the same time. Yes, we're still making noise, but I mean, I, I feel like we do a good enough job. We try. Yeah, we try. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, that's a, it's a difficult question to answer because it is, like before, you know, Audrey started to get into archery before me and her even started talking. Okay. Like, um, and it just kind of progressed after that. Like once she found out like, Oh, I am into hunting and stuff. It like, you know, obviously like our eyes lit up type of deal. Right. I got that much better looking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, but you know, when I met Audrey, I was like, I, I was, um, you know, single at the time. And all I did was work and hunt and scout. Like, that's it. I didn't hang out with buddies. I didn't do anything else. I barely went grocery shopping. That's all I did. <laughs> so when you're, you know, when I had that much time invested and I was solo hunting a lot and as much as I can, I was, I was really able to like craft it as best as I could to being mm-hmm. like super stealthy. And then <laughs> like once we started hunting together, it was like whoosh, completely out the window, hundred percent noise, like hundred percent noise from from her and from me. Like the way I did everything, just completely changed. It is a completely different thing: solo hunting, solo self filming, and then hunting as a team and filming. Yeah, like it's like this whole. It's like you're having to like shoot the animal three or four times before it actually happens, and yeah. it's just. It's so, so, it's so much fun. It is so difficult. It is so difficult to be quiet. Well, I got to imagine too that, you know, sometimes it can be hard enough to find one tree that you want to get up into, right? Let alone two that are in close enough proximity that you guys can still communicate to some degree, right? Whether it's hand signals you know, it's, it's, you know, close enough where you can actually like whisper totally a little bit. Uh, you guys got some stories. You got some stories of, uh, hand signals and, and gesturing oh. and just trying to communicate. They're, they, they're thinking. never ending. Yeah. It's just there. Every hunt is, there's something every hunt. You know, a great example of how it's so difficult is, you know, a lot of people walk in with a headlamp, nothing wrong with that. I yeah. use a headlamp all the time. It's great. Um, Two people right next to each other don't really yeah. need two headlamps on. Yeah. Right? right. One's enough, you would think. Yeah. But one person's in front with the headlamp <laughs> and the other person's walking <laughs> with them. You're still in the pitch black. The second person doesn't have a headlamp on. Right. So like, I can't see the light. I can't, like, I can't see the light. Oh, what was that? Oh, my heel just got stepped on. Oh, you tripped, made a bunch of noise, stepped on. Because you can't, you still can't right. see. Right. <laughs> Some person, you know, falls in the water. Like it's just it's there's so so much and like even though we're you know 
10 foot apart in a tree and we can clearly see each other and we're looking at each other and you know someone's trying to like you're whispering in the tree and you know it's loud enough and it's like holy shit if i talk any louder like we're it's over and they can't hear you and they're just looking at you like what or you start like yell whispering oh yeah yeah. Yeah, it's like a it's like aggressively whisper yelling, and then now it's like you're it, it's almost like oh great now we're in an argument, but you're not yeah. arguing about anything, right? It's just yeah, it's hilarious actually. Yeah. So with with the difficulties, obviously, come some some good moments and some you know some yeah. some high times. What have been some of the the more memorable moments that you guys have shared in the woods and the you know chasing deer? What's, what's been your most memorable moment? Um, well, I got my first buck down in Tennessee, the only buck I've ever gotten, and he filmed the whole thing, and that was awesome. I immediately thought of Kansas because that was a that was a super tough excursion for both of us, and we, I mean, it wore us down to just nothing, and then we had to pick each other back up. So to me, like the teamwork behind it all, really makes it so much better than even if we just get a deer like of course of course that's amazing but the teamwork at the end of the day is what makes it that much more enjoyable yeah and i'd say for for me it would probably be um yeah um even compared to any deer i've ever shot watching audrey shoot her first deer was like it was just like this. Was like I was more excited for that than I probably was for anything ever, ever. <laughs> I remember and, you uh, turned the camera around. You were like, "Oh my yeah. god!" <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm filming Audrey, and I should be pointing the camera at her while she's excited. And I turn around to me, and I'm just like going nuts. And uh, so that was probably my most memorable one. And then, yeah, Kansas was pretty was pretty cool it was uh it was like the best worst trip we had ever had yeah so why is that uh well it was awesome in the sense that you know we we jumped a giant um you know 180 plus deer within seven yards and we we didn't know he was there he didn't know we were there like i could have like threw a rock and hit his head type of deal it was just uh, the way the ground laid out he was like sleeping under this bluff and we were literally standing there talking and all of a sudden he just jumps up out of nowhere and like somersaults and flips over upside down in this creek like he just woke up and was like holy crap like what's going on there's people here oh yeah, yeah he just fell down and stumbled up this hill and ran off and and then we had another another big deer that that you know came in right to where we wanted them to um and we had it was like right at last light we had just put our bow down to the ground oh man oh my gosh like what the heck so stupid but the worst trip in sense is you know we we drove my truck all the way there and on like day day two the transmission went out in the truck you know something we completely (sighs) didn't plan for you can't really plan for that right oh i mean you know you you know, I made sure my spare was good and my truck was serviced before we left, you know, and it just, it just happened and had a tow truck, the truck two hours South to a different state to get a new transmission. And there's, you know, five grand out of the pocket, like just was not planning for that. Yeah. And then we hunted the rest of the time out of a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> so it was just like, like you can't, you can't make it like, you can't make this up. Like you can't make it up. It's just, yeah, I mean, but it was like so many things like happened that were like it just eats you alive. That like, sure we can continue to be super pissed about it and whatever, but it's up to us to pick ourselves back. I mean, it would be up to you to pick yourself right. back up and get right back into it. You had so many days left that you might oh, yeah. as well get right after it. If I was on that solo trip and that happened to me, I would have picked my truck up and drove my butt home. <laughs> sure i I would i would have been done right so having that uh you know hunting buddy that that partner in crime when it comes to things like this that can kind of be the yin to the yang when things are down that can pick you up and be like it sucks we didn't plan for it but we've got a rental like we can still hunt like let's make the most of it like 
Oh yeah. Everyone needs something like someone like that. Right. Because it's, it's super easy in like that scenario specifically to be like, it's just not in the cards. It wasn't meant right. to be like, right. Let's take it back to Tennessee. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked about it, but yeah, it was literally, that was like the last, we, when we got back from Kansas, we had one week and then we moved back to Michigan. Yep. So it was like the final hurrah. Almost <laughs> it. But it it was brutal. Yeah, it <laughs> going was down good. in a blaze of glory. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Blaze no, but Vince, I love what you said that, you know, since hunting together, your most memorable experience is watching Audrey shoot her first oh, buck yeah. because I've I've been I haven't been on that end of it. I've been you know where I was the one who shot my first buck, and people are around to to celebrate that and seeing the excitement that they get because you know obviously no one knows how much work she's put in more than you do Vince. And to see that kind of all come to fruition, I mean, it's, I've got to imagine it's like a dad watching a son hit a home run or something like that. Right. Like just seeing all the hard work pay off and everything. And I mean, it's, uh, it would be like, like, for me, I, I would put it more as like watching your son, uh, like win at like an individual state, event yeah right like he's the number one in the state like that would be i would compare it to that for sure and i put i mean i put it in the bucket of all the deer i've ever shot and combine it together all that excitement and that was probably equals that audrey how'd you feel in the moment oh in the moment yeah uh it was pretty unreal how it all happened <laughs> i mean did you know you made a good shot like did you start second guessing it immediately like because anytime i shoot at a deer my immediate thought is oh that's not a good shot right even if it is <laughs> right like that's just my immediate thought is like nope we're gonna yeah. get to get the dogs out here like we're gonna be tracking this thing all night like <laughs> tell, them, yeah. tell them the truth so that shot specifically 100 percent knew i nailed it but the what it was two before of my it was three before I smashed a tree the time before that. And I, there was actually three different bucks and then that one stepped out and I was out of arrows. And Vince, we were hunting in the same tree because it was like our first hunt together. And he, he was like, here, knock my arrow. So I knocked his arrow and I, I mean, it's longer. It's got a mechanical broadhead. I'm only pulling back 50 pounds, and I smashed it right in the heart at 42 yards. Yep. And I That's a poke. It was, I, know. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And I was damned if it wasn't going to happen. It was, it, was, it was wild. Shot three times at the same deer. That It was a young, the young deer. He had no idea what was going on. Just hung, her, hung around, gave her that arrow, and then she... The one that stepped out, she shot, shot on perfect, perfect shot. Like I've never killed a a deer with a bullet at 42 yards. That's a long ways. Yeah. And, uh, she smokes them right in the heart. The deer jumps 15 yards, dies. Like it couldn't have been any better. Yeah. That's an incredible story. Uh, I mean, rarely, if ever, do you get to fling an arrow, knock another one at the same deer. That happens to Audrey all the time. already. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah. You, you must have I, some I've good juju, man. Because I tried to well. tell her. I tried to tell her, like, dude, this is so rare. She's like, I don't know if it's that rare. It, it seems like it happens season. all the time. Yeah, what do you mean it happens to me once a year? What are you talking about rare? Yeah. <laughs> like, I would have been playing the lotto that night. Like, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. it was weird because that thing, it was, uh, sorry. No, you're good. Um, The night before, I was like, because I had never even shot an animal yet and i was i like dreamt that like what if i can't handle this like what if i'm not meant to hunt what if i can't handle all this blood no blood at all there was no blood at all and it was just like it was so weird how it all happened because i i could handle it but like again there there wasn't like blood spurting out or nothing so that'll be another experience for me (laughs) yeah wait you gotta track one or yeah you you make a a liver shot or something like that. And yeah, it's, I mean, we've all been there. We've all made bad shots. I mean, shoot two years ago, I, I sent one over the back. I mean, it jumped my string, but I still, still miss the deer on the biggest deer that, that I've come encounter with. Um, and I mean, it happens, right. 
you, yeah. you kind of put your, your head in your hands for a few minutes and then you're like, well, is this, yeah. get the yeah. arrow. Yep. You know, there's a lot of people that, that, that get disgruntled about, about that, like injuring an animal. Right. But yeah. I think people forget that they, uh, you know, yes, humans, we are the, their biggest predator. Mm-hmm. Right. But however, um, you know, they die a much miserable death. Oh yeah. Um, an, an arrow or a bullet. It's the best death they're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. They die a much more miserable death from other nature society events, um, from Cars. other than, than we could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it can be heavy, you know, especially that first one, but Audrey sounds like you. Handled so it pretty. What's that? I was so relieved and just super happy. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. That's a great story. So as we kind of wrap things up here, we're getting into the season. I mean, what, 44, 45 days away, something like that. I think 45, um, 44 days. Yeah. I think so. Somewhere yeah. in there. Um, aside from hunting Michigan, do you guys have like any big plans for like out of state hunts? Are you going to try a Western hunt? Like what is, what does the season look like? Or are you just going to pound, pound the pavement in Michigan here? Mm, definitely going to pound the pavement in Michigan. I'm going to try to make Michigan. I'm going to try to whip Michigan into shape. It's like, there that's like go. my goal, right? I'm, I'm so excited to hunt Michigan. So like, just like over the moon. However, um, if I can squeeze the time, um, I will make a trip to Wisconsin, which will be a first. Okay. I'm um, with a buddy of mine. Also, I work with him. So, um, that'll be a good one. Uh, if I can squeeze a time in that, that would be a late season. If I can also squeeze a time, then I'll make it to Ohio with another buddy. All right. Next year, the plan is Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, or Michigan, and then Wyoming um, mule deer hunt. I would like to, I would, I really want to do a, a, a Wyoming mule deer bow hunt. Yeah. That's like my, my thing, but. I don't know. Um, There's so much ground in Michigan. Like, who knows? Maybe we fall in love with it and like, I'm good. Yeah. So no, that's the possibilities are endless, right? I mean, even in Michigan, you know, depending upon where you want to hunt, I mean, you can, you can hunt all sorts of different terrain, different types of bucks, (laughs) things like that. I mean, there's, like I said earlier, I mean, people, you know, look down on Michigan, but you know, even just aside from deer hunting, I mean, Michigan has so much to offer when it comes to the outdoors. I mean, it's, it's a paradise. It really is, especially like this time of year when you can oh, get yeah. on the big water and fish for salmon, you can get on the streams and fish for some trout, you know, just your inland lakes for walleye, panfish, all that stuff. I mean, the upland bird hunting, the duck, I mean, there's just so many things that, that hunters yeah. and anglers can get into that. Yeah. It's, I'd be hard pressed to want to like go live somewhere else unless it was like, you know, Montana or something. And I could just chase muley and elk all year. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I was thinking, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking about that the other day, but like, if you really think about it, you know, Michigan is not a bad place to be, to be a hunter, right? It's a two buck state. Yep. You also get to shoot a few does, right? Endless amounts of public ground, right? And if you're in the, if you're in the mid to southern half of Michigan, it's an easy drive to Wisconsin. Yep. Uh, Or uh, yeah, it's an easy drive to Illinois or Wisconsin, easy drive to Indiana, Ohio, Ohio, Kentucky is not that far. Right, yeah, eight hours, and, six hours, something like that. You can be down there. Tennessee is eight and a half hours. Yeah. It's not like you can have like so many. And then you could go to the east side and hit, you know, the other side of Ohio or almost almost to New York. Like you can get so many tags right there. Like you would, like if you're that serious of a hunter, you'd never run out of things to do. Like, yeah, it's not a bad place to be. Yeah, no, it's uh. The older I get, the more I, I have uh, a real appreciation for Michigan because, you know, I, I lived in Chicago for a short spell uh, okay. right, you know, out of college, and I found myself coming back to Michigan to do everything that I wanted to do. I mean, I think part of it was I had family here, so I was doing a lot of hunting with them, the familiarity with, you know, your home state and everything like that, but it was just, it was so much better, right? Like, yeah. I just, I mean, well, Illinois is great. Illinois is a great, you know, your state, but, 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 uh, it, uh, yeah, there's just, there's something about, 
your roots and where you grow up, that's, that's hard to really leave behind. Yeah, for sure. No, no question about that. Yeah. Yeah. Audrey, Vince, thank you a ton for taking some time to join me tonight. I really appreciate it. Before I let uh, you guys go, where can people find you guys at on, you know, social media and stuff like that? And where can they, you know, check out some of these films for Chasing Public? Yeah, you can just go. It's just Chasing Public, uh, all lowercase on Instagram. And then right there in the bio, there's a little link to the YouTube page and then I'll have our our videos on there. There's just a handful, um, but they'll obviously there'll be more. So we just started getting into that. So but there'll be more this year. Yeah. Audrey, what yeah. about you? Where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me along on Chasing Public or Audrey Hogue on Instagram. All right, right on. Well, guys, best of luck this season. I'm uh, sure that we'll be in touch to uh, right. stay up to date and see you know, how the season progresses for you guys. I wish you guys nothing but luck, and uh, hopefully we talk to you again soon. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it, Marcus. Thank you. All right, guys, take care. All right. Well, thank you again to Vince and Audrey for joining me on the podcast today. Be sure and check out Chasing Public uh, on all of their different various social media channels. Uh, I would also like to thank Lake State Land Company, partner of the podcast. Uh, Stay tuned next week where we have another great episode for you. So until then, get outdoors and stay wild.